0: what's going on everybody welcome back to keep it 111 this is episode 11 yeah let's go uh as always i'm andy and i'm joined by the other main man Sonha. yo and today we have uh we have some topics to get through we we got to run through these man because yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it could it could end up being a very long session we're That's gonna okay. try That's to okay. keep it moving okay. um Today uh, we're going to be talking, of course, about the NBA finals, which are going on at the moment. Actually, like within like three miles of me, uh, at TD Garden, <laughs> uh, game three underway. Uh, we're going to give you the predictions without you know having the current score that we are keeping tabs on sway our predictions. Uh, but we're going to give you a little bit of that. Talk a little bit more about you know other topics. Um, there's something that I wanted to say a little bit later about Jason Tatum, and we're going to give you a little bit update on the on the on the drama that's going on in the utah jazz organization and then we're going to move on and talk about mlb because as we all know or let's be honest some of us definitely do not know all-star voting has opened up and it's going to be going on until the end of the month so i'm going to give you my starting lineup of all-stars for the american and national league and then we're going to talk a little bit about the nfl but what's going on with the Browns, man? It's like the Browns and the Jazz—they're just—they're—they're just—they're just they they're just, they're just, uh, just a shit show, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, and then finally, we're gonna talk. You got and and everyone, you're gonna want to stay tuned for this because believe it or not, for the first time—and maybe not the last time—I <laughs> mean, I can't promise that. Keep <laughs> it 111 is gonna talk about golf. <laughs> we're gonna talk about golf. Yikes. I can't believe we're doing this. I'm actually so excited about this one, though. Yeah, it's also um, But, but let, let's first start about, of course, the headliner. Game three tonight. Uh, Celtics and Warriors. I mean, what, what did you see in game one and two? Uh, because, I mean, this is, believe it or not, right, the first time that we get to talk about the finals with, you know, some kind of... Um, not just a scouting report going into it. We already have a couple of games under the belt. What are some things that you saw in game one, Sanha? And what do you think is going to be the thing to look out for in Game 3 that's going on right now.
1: So, I, I think the first couple of games, they were a kind of a tale of two cities, if you will. It's um, and, and I think it's going to be like this for for the entire series, barring any series injury to a key player. Um, it, the harder-playing team is going to win, and, and that's what happened in Game 1 and Game 2. Uh, game 1, Boston came out, you know, firing on, on all cylinders, and Golden State, they just they didn't look as energized as they have in the past. Um, And especially against a a Boston team that's very good defensively, switches a lot as well on offense. If you're not going to match their level of energy, then you're not going to beat them, no matter how good you are at scoring or shooting the ball from three. So I think that's what happened in game one. And and the, the story here is that apparently after game one, so there are like different ways that you can measure like, the hustle of a team like like in like in soccer for instance, right? You measure um how many meters or yards a a player traveled, like ran during over the course of a game, right? To kind of measure that. Um, you can do the same thing for basketball, where you can track like how much total ground did our team actually cover in the game and how does that like measure up to other playoff games. Um, and reportedly the golden state numbers were pretty low in, in, in game one. And they used that as, as sign kind of a, uh, a starting point for motivation for game two. And you saw it in game two, they, they came out fiery. You saw Draymond, like I, we can talk about Draymond. we will talk about Draymond a little bit later specifically, but like you could see him, his energy and then the energy of the rest of the team kind of, um, feeding off of his energy. Uh, it was another level compared to game one. And that's where they need to be at to, to, to win the series because it, I, to me, comes I think the teams are very evenly matched in terms of the, number, the amount of quality players
2: that they have on, on each side. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. Andy, I can't hear you. Oh, that's a rookie move. There you go. Uh, I, I want to say
0: in game one, Al Horford, his, his debut after 15 years, 15 years in the NBA, his very first finals game Yeah, at the right age of 76, yeah. <laughs> he comes in and takes over the show. And honestly, I've been a fan of Al Horford actually for a while, you know? Like yeah. when I first started watching basketball back in the day and he was in, he was on the Hawks. Yep. And this was before, you know, the Hawks had this, the dream, yep. you know, regular season. You know, back when Al Horford was basically, like, the their best player, and Pretty much. obviously, when Al Horford, with all due respect to him, if he's the best player on any team, you know that team is just going to be <laughs> mediocre at best. I mean, no, but I love Al Horford. He's yeah, an amazing no, player. Right? Like, yeah. like he can be the best player, it's just not going to be a great team. Yeah. Um. And, but, like, you know, make no mistake, he's always, you know, been just a solid uh, fringe all-star that, you know, became an all-star that one season, and... To for him to come to game one at his age and put up twenty six, including an insane fourth quarter, battling through that fatigue, that that is that is a statement game. And honestly, it might be a it it could go down as a legacy game if the Celtics end up winning this trip. Yeah. Right? Because walking into San Francisco and taking game one, that was huge. It was like it almost felt like the Celtics, everybody was writing them off. I mean, except me, but a lot of people were writing them off, and that is kind of what turned a lot of heads. A lot of you know analysts, you know, they started talking a little bit more seriously. Like, is this series going to be what we expected? And yeah, you know, Horford really, you know, willed that into existence. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to him. He put up an insane performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he was great in game two. He he slowed down a bit, um, which is to be expected at at his age. Uh, I mean, you just need a you need a hope that he kind of recovers right um, over the course of the series. And and even if he just plays like that, even not to that level, but like close to that level, every other game, you know, that that that'll be plenty good enough for uh, for the Celtics. Um, the other thing that I mentioned here, though, that is despite kind of the heroics of, of Horford in, in the first game, I think the thing to note in the out of the first two games is that Tatum has been fine, he has been great. And, you know, I think after the Miami series, we were kind of ready to elevate him to that tier one level of player, you know, the, the tier where LeBron, Doncic, Giannis, they all sit. And to be frank, after those first two games, I don't know, man. I, I don't know, I like, it just left me with a bad taste in my mouth because The best, the tier one players, the best, the elite players in the NBA, they elevate on the highest stage, on the hardest stage, on the toughest of occasions. Like, they elevate themselves. Tatum has been certainly not elevating himself in the series so far. Middling at best. Did you know that in game two, Tatum put up the worst plus, obviously, I'm going to preface this by saying plus minus is not the greatest metric in the entire world. But it it can give you kind of like a a directional look at things. And Tatum had the worst plus-minus out of any player to play in the NBA Finals since plus-minus was a metric. That's so bad. Like, if you're the number one player and you're supposed to be on this elite level... You can't be playing like that. I don't care. I don't I don't I don't care. I just I don't care. I don't care like what the issue is? You can't be playing like
0: that. I, I don't know. No, I I agree. I I think he's I think to be honest, I don't think I can, I would I won't even say that he's been doing okay. I think he's underwhelming. Yeah. Straight up. Yep. I expect more out of him. For sure. Um I'm not one of those guys that's going to actually put him in tier 1. Yeah, I don't think he gets that because you either you, I to me you either get tier 1 because you're so like undisputably talented that the only thing that's holding you back is so clearly the rest of your team yeah which is not the case for tatum he has a good supporting cast he has an excellent supporting cast and so if it's not for that then you make tier one by willing your team to winning a chip which he has not done yet so i i I don't think i put him in that tier actually i I, and you know you know me like i'm a huge fan of tatum i like him a lot and um you know, the past couple of weeks, all I've been arguing is that he's just a better player than Jimmy Butler. Um, but he is—he's—he is a—he is—he is a he is a, he is a I I think he's a top of—he's—he's he's one of the top guys in tier two right now.
2: Yeah, I'll give you, um, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, I and, give and and if he wins the chip, and he happens to be the finals MVP, we got to put him in tier one. We have to. Do we? No. If he's a finals MVP. After winning
2: this trip.
1: No, no, but okay, but what if he's the finals MVP? Where in,
2: like, who else are you gonna give it to on the team? I mean, based on just game one and two, I would say, like, Horford.
0: Straight up, dude. Because, like, oh, Horford's man. the only one that's had a memorable, like, performance so far for the Celtics. I mean, it, it could all change tonight, and it probably will, but, you know, we need those kinds of memorable performances. I can see Jalen Brown winning.
1: I
2: can see Jalen Brown winning, and
1: and so okay. Let's say that happens. Let's say like Jalen Brown was... it because because Horford was bad in, in game two. He he had two points.
0: <laughs> he was. I mean. I mean. I mean. I mean. That 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 was really like miserable. But yeah. But Jalen. I mean, not fine too long ago, Jaylen right? Good. Like. Like remember when Curry and the Golden State Warriors they won the chip but Iguodala got Finals MVP. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep,
1: yeah, yeah. that, that's exactly what, what I'm
0: talking like, yeah. like, you know, it could be that kind of scenario with Tatum. Yeah. I mean, at this rate, I mean, it wasn't it, he's not playing as poorly as Curry did in that Finals, but yeah. like, you could see him like you know playing slightly worse and regressing even further, and then see him not getting it. So like, I think he has to put up a Finals MVP performance for us to put him in that category. Um, and if we and if he does, I think I think you have to. Do you though? Okay, it's like Iguodala won that Finals MVP,
1: right? Yeah. Did you go ahead and put him in Tier One after that? Did
0: you even put him in Tier Two after that? No, I didn't put a Tier Three
1: player
3: after that.
0: Because because he doesn't because the uh, to me the Finals MVP is supposed to be a supplemental you know addition to the case. Yeah, and yeah to Tatum, I think it it it's the supplemental edition because he has everything else, you know, in Does
1: that. he
0: though? He has to play better than he's playing now though, for the
1: remainder of the series. If he I think he will. If he keeps I think playing he will. if he keeps playing at the same level that he's been playing at for the remainder of the series and wins it kind of by default, then I don't feel good about that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Would you are you serious? Like would you feel good about that? I
0: mean, like it, it. It's it, but but but, but like for me, <laughs> we're in an era like where we're so deprived of people other than LeBron or Steph winning rings that just like somebody else winning a ring in itself already feels exceptional. So maybe I'm a little bit high on the moment a little bit if they do end up winning it.
1: Listen, but listen, listen, I know we said that we were gonna like let tonight's game and and the current standings like. Uh, affect this but <laughs> Boston is leading by 14 in the second quarter Tatum has three points man
2: I know I know I'm seeing that he has, the, he has fewer points than Grant fucking Williams I, I I
0: think he'll come out of this game with like 25 at the end I what? really do
1: okay no 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 but yes I, I also believe that he'll come out with 25 that's, like, that's not even, like, you know, that's not even regular season Chase
0: Potato. Like, that, that doesn't even reach. I, I understand. I understand. But, you know, he could punt this one. He could <sighs> punt this one. You know, come on the next one, put up 38, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're, we're back in business. And I know he can do that. So, you know, I'm not too worried. Not yet.
1: Oh, my God. I, I, I'm just... I I will see we'll see we'll see we'll we'll let the we'll let the remainder of the series tell us. But so far, I am out on fucking Tatum in on this series. And and speaking of Tatum, all right, let me go off on this fucking. I've already ranted about this or ranted about Tatum, but um, on social media there has been so much of this bullshit comparing Jason Tatum to Kobe, the late great Kobe Bryant. And you know, there there are pictures of like Tatum um coming to warm up and they're saying, oh, this is the exact same like uh this is the exact same clothes that Kobe wore during his tryouts with the Celtics when he was 17. Um, Tatum what like posted like this picture of like him and Kobe like in this like same picture, like showing that like like trying to equate himself to Kobe. Like every time I see this I don't want to blow my brains out because no, no, like in every single way, no, there's no fucking pop. And, and the worst thing is, the worst thing is that, it, okay, if Tatum was playing well and he was elevating in the series, then I'd give him a pass. I'd give him a pass. I give him a pass i would not like it still, but i give him a pass and I wouldn't be ranting like a now. The way that he's been playing in game one and two, and then he leans into this comparison to Kobe, that's fucking disrespectful. That's so disrespectful to one of the greatest players of all time and and one of the very best postseason players of all time. Someone who always elevated to another level, a level beyond his regular season play in the playoffs. Something that Jason Tatum is doing the opposite of right now And you're comparing yourself to him? That's fucking
2: disrespectful. I I need you to fucking sit down. I think it's cringe. It's definitely cringe. Like Oh Oh my
0: god. Like like he he's 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 showboating a little bit too early. Like it would have it would have been a little bit more tactful for him to like first win the chip and then like maybe like post that sentiment as, as like a flashback. But as he's playing in this series now and, you know, as, you know, the late great Kobe said after a post-game interview in the playoffs after coming off a win, he says job not done. Um, that's very not, you know, job not done vibe coming from Jason Tatum putting that up. Yeah, I'll it, give you that.
1: It's fucking, <laughs> we're one and one. I'm playing like shit and job's already done kind of vibe. What the fuck? And we're gonna call this guy- See, it makes me feel even worse Then if, like, then he wins the finals, wins the MVP by default, and then we have to call him a tier one player. Like, after all this shit. It's just, like, I don't know. I don't know how I became a Tatum hater, because, frankly, like, a year ago, I fucking love Tatum. If I play NBA 2K, that's the first guy I want to trade for. But now I, I just somehow hate I, I somehow hate Tatum now. I said it, I I'm a, I, I'm a hate him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hate him Tatum. <laughs> yeah, I hate him,
0: Tatum, that's me.
3: Holy shit! How did
0: this happen? What the fuck? I I, I, I think I, I think this series just needs to be over, and you know the <laughs> the Jason Tatum headlines have to just cool off of it, and I think he'll come back down to earth, man. Oh, because let's man. be honest, like there there's no like real reason to like hate Tatum. No, you're... he's not a dislikable player. Yeah, he's not. He's a good player. He's a good player. I mean, he probably plays for a dislikable franchise. I definitely understand that. Yeah, but even that, like, I don't, right. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't fault him for that. Right. Nah. I don't know, man. Nah. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about Draymond Green. Yeah. Um, game two, you know, I, I think we all saw the incident where um, he just makes a he just makes a foul, you know, a hard kind of you know dirty foul on Jalen Brown and. You know, like he he's he's got his like feet on, on on Brown and Brown gets a little bit like you know pissed off. I mean also it's Draymond, so like you know, like he's like an instigator of uh drama yeah. on the court. And yeah. so Jalen Brown doesn't go crazy, like he just you know, goes at him a little bit, you know, jaws at him a <laughs> bit. And people were saying that Draymond Green should have been teed up for that because A was a stupid foul, and B, like you know, it was he was also, like, you know... Yeah, he was he was gaming it a little bit, so... I mean, what, what, what did you think about that play? He was already on one technical. Did, did he deserve another D? So I watched this, like... I, I probably watched it over, like,
1: six or seven times today, and, um... Eh, like, he he got a regular foul for that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think he just got... They just yep, called it call. for a regular foul, and I think that's the right call, um... Because it, it it really wasn't that bad. Like, it was. So, if you go over the series of events, exactly how it went is. Uh, Jalen shot the ball. Draymond kind of, like, landed on him with, like, his legs on top of him, is how they landed on the floor. Uh, Jalen rushed one of Draymond's, like, feet off of him. Understandably so. Like, if I was an opposing player, I would not want someone on the other team's feet on top of my body. Um, and it wasn't like an aggressive shove either. It was just like, kind of, you know, brush this off of me. Um, and then, and then Demarcus, or not, sorry, not Demarcus, Draymond to that gives Jalen a sh- uh, a shove. And that that's where kind of the altercation got started. So, in my opinion, if anything, Draymond may have started it like the altercation itself. Um but but I don't think that it was worthy of a technical. I don't I really just don't think it was that bad, bad. But the I think that the key here is that Jalen kind of missed an opportunity to because he knew that Graymond already had one tech. And he knows that what kind of player Draymond is. So even if I'm going to take a tech there, if I can take a tech and get this other guy to kind of like come after me a little harder so that he gets ejected, 100% of the time I'm doing it if I want to win the game. Like, am I wrong?
0: No. Yeah, that, that's five-head like thinking. Yeah, that's actually I mean, five-head thinking. <laughs> but I, but I, I don't think, well, well here's the thing, it's like here's a lesson learned, but... I think for just about anybody else, you're not really thinking going into the game, thinking, "Wow, there's a possibility this guy could be ejected," except if it's Draymond. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the lesson learned, right? It's like, but here's what didn't sit right with me, right? It's because I was watching the game live and, uh, the commentary. uh, I think it was, I think it was Mark Jackson, Jeff, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, and then. There was another subject matter expert, as they do in a lot of these broadcasts. They bring in the subject matter expert, like, who's a former official, yeah, the official. to give commentary yeah. Yeah. on their interpretation. Yeah, yeah. Because we all know Jeff Van Gundy, you know, is able to give the best objective appraisals <laughs> of these kinds of <laughs> no situations. Job, no <laughs> yeah, but um, it didn't sit right with me that that former official, the subject matter expert who gets on air, says he does indeed take into account when assessing whether Draymond could potentially be getting a technical there, he does take into account that Draymond has already previously gotten a technical. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, it just doesn't make sense to me, right? Because if you're basically saying that you're just going to be more lenient on somebody who has a tech- technical foul just because you're afraid of the ramifications that it can have on the game. Yeah. And that's just like, so what are you basically saying? You're just gonna say that everybody gets like a freebie after one tech, technical foul? Like you can probably make like a technical foul worthy play and you probably get away with it for the first time? Like what what does that even mean? Like yeah. and so that's kind of it, it almost seemed like that was kind of the rationale behind that, you know, the broadcast explanation. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, this is the this is a technical foul worthy play. But just because this is the NBA finals and it's Draymond Green, we I think we let this one slide. That yeah. was kind of the, the main argument. And I thought that was bogus, man. That's bogus. No, i because, agree. Yeah. Yeah. like you y- you can't you can't play it like that. And 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 the thing is, is guys like Draymond Green are gonna abuse the hell out of that. I For mean, sure. that's what he does. Yeah. And so it's like that's it, it I don't know, like it's I'm also just not a, like a big Draymond Green fan at all. Yeah. Um and so, you know, maybe that's just me like just really wanting him to get like booted off the court, but that I, I mean like cuz honestly like, you know, looking back at it, I think, you know, a couple of days later, I also looked at the replay again today and Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you actually that it's probably like a little bit borderline, but man,
1: like I, I agree with you that the reasoning is bullshit because, like, you, if you do that, you have to flip it. You have to flip it. Like you have to flip the order of the fouls if you're going to make that reasoning and say, okay, let's say that the foul, the foul that I'm looking at right now happened first. And then the foul that got in the first technical happened, would he get ejected for that? Because if, if he would get ejected for that, there, like, if you flip the order, then you should still get ejected, right? Like, that's how I think about it. It's like, like, if you, if you can flip the order of the fouls and you determine that, like, he would get ejected there, then he should get ejected. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, I, at the, at the same time, like, I, I just don't think that it was a technical-worthy foul.
0: <laughs> like, I, I think, I think, yeah, like, uh, it's, I don't. I, I don't think it's clear cut. I. I think. I think. I. I could have seen it being called a technical, and, and I would not be like upset about it. To sure. Sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Um. It is a borderline call. I think it's a borderline call. Yeah. Irrespective of the fact that Draymond Green was already on a technical at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. It, it. It is a little bit disturbing, and I hope like this guy's a former official. I mean, if this is how officials in the NBA are actually looking at fouls this way, like that's a little bit disturbing. The thing is, right? they do the thing. So like, I
1: think. I think McCullum was talking about it. He's been not coming on what ESPN or something, one of the shows, um, and he he was talking about how once you get into the playoffs, you know the officiating changes not only so that it becomes more physical and they and they let like you know more things just happen over the course of the game that they wouldn't normally during the regular season, but also like
2: when a star player it's is the point of concern. That, that's a factor for, like, it shouldn't be a factor,
1: but it's a factor for the officiating. And, and and that just like, it's what happens. And obviously, it's not a good thing. I don't, I, I think it's bad for the competitive integrity. And I think it's bad in terms of, you know, like player, player equity, and the fact that, you know, star players are able to get away with more things inherently because they are a star in the league, like that's pretty fucked up. Like,
0: I, I don't know. I, I don't know. What, I don't know what else to say. It's um, like the it's kind of like baseball. It, it really is like baseball in that all we want, right. As a spectator is consistent officiating. Yeah. And yeah. so if it's a case that, that like CJ saying where the refs just get tighter with the whistles, if it's tighter across the board and in all situations, that at least levels the playing field. Yeah, exactly. So that, you know, it's it's it, it's equal treatment. But if we're like tightening up especially more during high leverage situations or with certain players, like that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. Um and, and yeah, like that that that's what I can't like stand because yeah, like yeah. if they're just being if they're just swallowing the whistles a little bit more and they're they're afraid to blow um a lot more during in the playoffs just across the board, I mean that's one thing. Uh, that's just like, that's just like an umpire, right? Having a tight strike zone yeah. or a, you know, a big strike zone uh, universally. Like that's totally like,
3: you know, I, I I can live with that,
0: but, but this, you know, inconsistency, you know, that, that, that's just something we struggle with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because this has already become like a thing and I'm sure the referees are watching, you know, they're, they're I'm sure they read the media like. They probably, like, you know, they know, you know, what's going on with this whole technical thing, you know. Not just, you know, Draymond Green, like, playing, like, misbehaving. And maybe they need to police that a little bit more. But just in general, right? Um, equal officiating. Because there was a lot of complaints I saw online about Game 2 and how that was handled.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. It it, it was it was pretty rough. Um, yeah, and, it, like, do you have anything else on, on this theory? I have a couple of things, like nope uh go for it man uh, other things to note here um number one yeah i think is done like did you watch him play um game two like i i think he's done i i don't think they should play him any more minutes frankly
0: i mean i i i i thought he's just he's just he's just playing a udon haslam role on
1: that dude team. he can't even play that man, because he's not big he's like at least, at least you has some. Well, like, like Udantas
0: has some, like late, late, like as in, like you know, like he was just basically just riding the bench, like just, yeah, like but, honestly, but, a, a player coach at that point. Yeah, you know
1: what but I mean? like if he needed to go in there and he needed a bruise for one play because he's a big guy, he could do that. Even can't even do that. He like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, nah, I, nah, he, he's, he, I mean, he's. I think he's done. done and,
0: so and. and, and Nobody expects anything.
1: Yeah, exactly. No one right. expected it. But um so that's one piece they're not gonna be with uh
2: that Golden State's gonna have. Okay, and second thing, Clay needs to play. Man, I he needs to. Like, even if he's not old, Clay, he needs to be
1: playing be playing better than this. Like, this is Stephen A. Smith was was saying. We're on a manhunt for, for fucking Clay Thompson. We're looking everywhere, you know, under the rocks, like, you know, behind the bleachers. Where is this guy? Because he's nowhere to be found in games one and two. Um, I, I think he's playing Klay better tonight, but um, they they need him to win the series. Uh, because I don't know where else they're going get, to get, get shooting power other than, like, Wiggins. They're not going to get scoring anywhere else other than, like, Steph and, and Jordan Poole. So... And and Jordan Poole is, is is pretty inconsistent at this point. So if Clay doesn't if Clay doesn't play to, he doesn't even need to play hundred percent. Like play like 80%. And I think that'd be that that'd be enough. So
0: I don't know. Uh um, I mean classic Stephen A. Smith and I mean. I love the man. Like a brother. <laughs> but but I mean, it's classic Stephen A, right? He's, he's just being, he's just having selective amnesia about Klay Thompson. Forgetting the fact that the last game that they played, right before this series, he seals a deal in a comeback win against the Mavs. And he was the main man in that act. He is not gone. He's he's
2: gonna, he he was
0: just staying for this series so far. All right. But like, you
1: know, he's yeah, sensationalizing. I know what you
0: like, I know oh, what you a man, I love him like a brother. <laughs> but but no, no, nah. right, nah, he he'll be back. And and like you said, he's he's already yeah, playing he's, well, he's playing well um, tonight. So I, I'm, not
1: oh, worried yeah. really. I'm not, too worried. Um,
0: last point
1: here, it, it's it's the the big men um on both teams. It's Grant Williams, Robert Williams, uh, even Al Horford against you know, Kevon Looney, Raymond Green. The big question is going to be, can the Williams' uh, stay healthy throughout the entire series? Because I think they really need them. And, and when they can have Grant Williams or Robert Williams, but mostly Grant Williams and Al Horford, like, so when you have Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Horford, and then Grant Williams on the floor, they look big, especially compared to Golden State, who are very small, right? Like, they they just look like big, they look like a big team, even though, like, objectively, maybe they're not like super big, but like, especially compared to small ball Golden State, that lineup is massive. And if they can, if if that lineup can, can keep up with the speed of Golden State, then they have a massive advantage, obviously, because they're just as fast, but they're just much bigger than them, um, and, and so I think that's going to be kind of a key part of of the rest of the series. Can the Williamses stay healthy? Can they keep like Can they be healthy enough to run with the the rest of the Golden State Warriors? And if they can, I think their size advantage will be huge
0: um, for the for the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean Boston's one of those teams that like they have a lot of little pieces that matter a lot. And, um, the thing is like, I think for the most part, they haven't had too big of injury concerns. I mean, that's why they're here.
3: Mm -hmm, uh, mm Um,
0: because they just, they really just won the battle of attrition with the rest of the Eastern conference. Yeah, They were the most, they were the healthiest and that's kind of why they're here. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, totally right. I mean, but I think, you know, if, if history is any indicator, I think we should be, uh you should be in for a good series. Yeah, it think, should be fun. Health wise. All right, talking to me about Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder, man, uh, stepped down. I, I don't even blame the man. Well, well, here's the thing. It's like for me, it's like, the, uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, has Quinn Snyder always had that like RBF, or is is it because of the drama and just how many years in advance that the Utah Jazz have aged him over the years? The best. You know, starting with just the perennial underperformance to the drama between Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell. He's just been the consistent rock in that team that's like kept them even, I think, uh, a competitive team in that tough conference.
1: Yeah. And they're even saying that he might be a front-runner to succeed Greg Popovich, which should tell you that yeah, we should tell you kind of the the level of high regard that that people see him in. Um, and oh, man, I, I really just think that the Jazz kind of fucked him over when they gave Gobert that contract. I know I've talked about this before about that Gobert contract and how it completely fucked jo- uh, uh, the Utah Jazz for pretty much the next five years.
2: It also fucked over
1: Quinn Snyder, clearly, because I think he, I think he did a good job maximizing what they had um, when they had it. And, and mind you, like, you know, he was coaching the Utah Jazz to be perennial, like, home court advantage playoff team in the West in a tough Western conference. While having your best or second best player be a center who does not shoot or score that often, so like to be able to do that is, is pretty fucking um that that's that's pretty exceptional um and it, big props to him I it like I think he made the right choice though to kind of step down because. There's no future there. Like there's no future for the Utah Jazz I- I- at least for the next 5 years. Like that what what could they possibly do? As long as they're like as long as they have that Gobert contract, I don't think there's anything that they can do to become a championship caliber team, to be frank.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean they're already floating trades to dump Don- Donovan Mitchell, which is you know, I can I I I am kind of in disbelief that Donovan Mitchell's career at the Utah Jazz may be coming to an end so soon. Yeah, you know, I thought he was going to be a guy that I mean it, it it's you can't really throw around like one team players anymore cuz it just it just never happens, yeah. but I could have seen this guy staying for like, you know, at least a max extension, things like that, but this is not looking like it's going to be the case, right? So, yeah, I mean, what a mess. I mean, and for Quinn Snyder, the thing is, is like, yeah, like you said, yeah, he might be going to the Spurs. Uh, he might... I don't even know if he's going to be coaching next uh, season because I don't see the teams... Well, the teams that are in the market for a coach, like Charlotte, my God, Quinn Snyder's way too good for that team. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Um uh, The Kings, hell no, right? Like... I could see him just taking a year off and just comes back the next offseason. And yeah, maybe it's Spurs. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, you know, another team. But I want him to go to a team that's, like, already, like, good. Dude, uh, if I'm Quinn Snyder, I take the year
1: off, I watch the Lakers implode one more time with this new coach, and then I just go fucking
2: head coach the league. Nah. No, not because the Lakers just, are good, but because it's the fucking Lakers. No, that's yeah. not like, Hell I don't
0: know, yeah. Quinn Snyder doesn't come off as that kind of guy. Because if, if if he was that case, he would
2: not have stayed at Utah this long. Give me a second, give me a second, give me a second. Also, the Lakers trade Westbrook for Kyrie. So. That's still not good. It happened! That's still not good. It fucking
3: happened! That's still not good enough.
2: Believe it! That's still not
0: good enough. Believe it. Believe it. And I don't know, man, I, I feel like Quinn Snyder, I mean, if I'm Quinn Snyder, you know, I want to go to a team that just doesn't have drama, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. even if like the players on paper are not that good, like, you know, he, he owes it to himself, you know, to go to a, a, you know, what would be the perfect team
1: for him is the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's the team that oh, he deserves. Yeah. And it's the team
1: that he deserves too, right? Like, it'd be the perfect match between the coach and
0: team oh my god oh yeah <laughs> right because he's so intense Giannis is so intense like they, like they would get along yeah so well. it
1: would be so good that like that would be a team that would be a dynasty. i don't know like
0: like like how like how how much do the bucks fancy budenholzer i mean like he won a rig with them so like yeah it's hard you can't just dump a coach that won you a ring like a couple years ago but here's the thing about Budenholzer right it's
1: like he came so he came after that the the miracle hawk
2: season right and then but and the the idea was like okay like the the whole
1: reason that Budenholzer got the the praise that he got was because of the system that they were running there I, I is it just me or they don't do that shit in, in Milwaukee?
0: I mean, yeah, it's it's a completely different team. I, yeah, like Budenholzer, I believe, like he was he was a pupil of Popovich, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, so there, and so and, yeah, but,
0: he's very much like a system guy. Exactly, but the Bucks but don't. Like, Giannis, not necessarily. Exactly, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like kinda...
1: that, like Budenholzer has done. I mean, maybe he was like he was like a stabilizing force. I guess, for the team. But, like, other than that, what has he, like, done basketball-wise for the team? Nothing. Like, I could have got in there, given the ball to Giannis, and be like, go run with it, boy. And then, you know,
0: <laughs> it would have been the same fucking result. Probably. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and Quinn Snyder, yeah, Quinn Snyder, like, uh, yeah, I think he could contribute something to that Bucks team. He, he could make it defensively more sound, like, you know?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I, I mean, that would be a really, really good fit. Um, I mean, it's not gonna happen anytime soon, but.
3: Oh. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I don't, I yeah, you, you don't see, you can't, yeah, you can't fire a guy that's won you at, like a chip for a small market team
2: like the, two years ago. The seven head move,
0: the seven head move. Yeah. If I'm Giannis,
2: I shit the bed this season. Get are fired whisper into management's ears.
0: <laughs> oh, he doesn't even need to whisper. I mean, if Giannis just says, like, hey, I want Booneholzer out right now, but he's not, he's not the type of guy... He's not the place. type of guy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but he could. He could right now. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. He could right now, and, and they'll go get Quinn Snyder.
1: Straight up. I think... I think... There's a chance where if at, at a certain point Giannis feels like he's no longer growing and the team's no longer developing or growing um under Budenholder's like leadership then I, I could see like Giannis is as like wholesome and like non-confrontational the guy is he still has a great intensity uh for wanting to win and be good at the game of basketball so like I feel like that would would kind of trump his n- non-confrontational kind of demeanor, and
2: he yeah. could he could he could go he could go to management and say to say that.
0: Yeah. What a naive fuck he is. I know. <laughs> I know. But uh, yeah, I mean, with age too, that could change. You know, with experience. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, LeBron is obviously one of those guys that's always kind of had that little like snakiness in him a little bit ever since you know moving to Miami. Like, Giannis doesn't seem at that level, but you know it can change. Yeah, so, yeah, true. yeah. All right, let's move. Let's move on to baseball, man. Uh, we we gotta talk about All Star Game. Corner, and, and 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 we're like 50 games in. You know, we're 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 a good third into the season, and we can look at some of the performances that uh, we're seeing from teams from players so far, and. Let me tell you, there are some, well, let well before I give my starting lineups yeah. for American and National League, yeah. I got to preface this, right? Okay. I, I'm taking into account, you know, several factors. Okay. First and perhaps most importantly to me is I need to make sure the All-Star game is watchable. It's something that I'd want to watch <laughs> and I think people would want to watch. Okay. 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 And so stats matter that's matter and and you know advanced stats like you know wins above replacement i care about that uh but you know there are some names that everybody knows and, and here's the thing about baseball is that we need we need to have charismatic characters front and center that's what the sport needs in terms of revitalizing interest and so in the spirit of that okay there is some you know uh biases that are coming in you know some favoritism and 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 here's the thing is it's not just about you know how well the player is known i'm also looking at you know the little things you know who's got a nice swing you know who's who's gonna like who's gonna hit a home run in the first inning and you know people are gonna be like wow that's a really like cathartic swing that he's got there and so you know there's a lot of things i'm keeping uh, taking into account and of course uh of course as always we have to understand that the all-star uh voting in general is a popularity contest as it is with a lot of sports but especially with baseball because you know the big names are obviously going to carry and so in some ways right the starting lineups that i'm trotting out actually might hold a little bit more truth than we'd probably like to admit from a stats perspective um but in other areas maybe not so much so but let's start
2: so tell me this though before you start are we going to see nestor I'm gonna explain. Well, well, here's the thing. With with the starting lineups, I'm I'm giving you the the nine batters,
0: right? Okay. From, from okay. catcher to DH. Yeah, yeah. And I'm only giving you one pitcher, right? The the pitcher that starts. And remember, right? With the All Star game, you know they switch them every one or two innings. Yeah. Like two okay. innings max, right? So so even if they're not the starter, uh, like pitching is interesting because like, I didn't want to do the entire like like a like bullpen. Like, yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Take too long. Yeah. yeah. But. But Néstor Cortez, I will definitely say he, he he should definitely be in the team. But he's not going to start. And, yeah. and I'm going to tell you why. All right. Okay? Okay, okay, I'm going to tell, right. okay. tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. All
1: right. All
0: right. We're going to start with the National League because I think the National League actually this year is like a lot easier than the American League. Sure. Um, Especially the infield. And we're starting off with catcher position. Wilson Contreras. I mean, there is no one else... That's really in the contest for it, rather than, you know, over Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. I mean, I guess you could say Stevenson of the Reds, but 10 homers versus five homers for a catcher. I mean, people care about homers. And when they're looking at, you know, the starting lineups and they're looking at the, when the batter steps into the box, we're going to be looking at those home run totals. And so I think Contreras, I think by all accounts has looked more productive. He gets enough for me, a catcher position. Yeah. In and the his, first, basis, this,
2: and first base is another, nuts,
0: by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he's, he's always been like, well, I mean, he's already a multiple, like, you know, he's already got multiple all-star games under his belt. Yeah. Like he's a solid catcher. Um, you know, there are always other guys in the mix, right? Travis Darno is, he's always in the mix. He might even be an all-star like in the bench, even though he's not even having a great season. Right. But it's, it's nothing like, it, I think, I think this, uh, catcher is probably one of the easier decisions to make this year. Sure. Um, First base is even easier. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt is having just Ooh. MVP caliber season. I mean, we all know he's always year in year out Gold Glove defense. Um, he's the National League leader in OPS, OBP, batting average. Nuts. It's and his the OPS, productivity
1: is through the roof. And his OPS is nuts. Like the actual
0: like raw yeah. number. The actual number is nuts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One point oh two eight. Like that's that's. Anytime you're above one, it's kind of like. Uh, you're not going to keep that up
3: yeah yeah um
0: yeah i i i I can't even it would be insulting to even mention like an honorable mention because it's come on like it's it's paul goldschmidt he's probably like i think the early candidate for me to win mvp i think a lot of people have him there it's it's either him or machado right? right um second base this is a guy that um and again, I think second base, believe it or not, this is actually consensus. And for me, personally, I, I'm very happy to see Tommy Edmond being rated so highly by everybody, like all the analysts. This is the guy when uh, when the Cardinals made it to um, I think they made it to the World Series, right? Uh, a couple of years ago. And Tommy Edmond, back then, he was a rookie uh, batting seventh or eighth in the lineup. You know, he was definitely the one guy there that, you know. You look at the lineup up and down, you're like, wow, Tommy Edmund is probably you know, one of the happiest guys to be in that starting lineup right now playing in the World Series, you know, as a rookie. And also like a half Korean dude. So I'm like, you know, nice. I'm rooting for that guy. Right. Like right? And, and and but to be honest, like I, I didn't know that he was going to stick around. Like uh, the, the problem with his is that he doesn't have the power. Right. His power is, you know, not quite there, but he had he was decent at, you know, uh, his other tools. But last season. He turned in a gold glove defensive performance year. This year, he's among the leaders in wins above replacement. He does everything right. He's an elite defender. He's leading the National League in stolen bases. he's, he's hits for average. I think he's hitting like 280 or something like that. Yeah, right around there. And, and he's got five homers, which is like arguably, uh, well, which is definitely his weakest trait, right? But five homers at this junction of the season, that's on pace for about 15, yeah. which is not bad at all. And so there's nothing that he's doing that is bad in, in the game. His game is so solid. And, yeah, yeah. and he's so deserving of uh, starting second base this year. Um, and I think a lot of you know, uh, you know experts out there agree with this pick. So
1: you're putting him at second uh, base
0: and not shortstop? Uh, no. Uh, well, he can play all. I, I believe he's played second base most um, this season. I think... But he can definitely play all uh, of the infield positions. Uh, he can play second, he can play short, he can right. play third base. Right. But there is a guy that I want at shortstop. Um, although okay. shortstop okay. is not the deepest position. Um, it, it's definitely not the most competitive position, like a, a first and third base. Or third base, I got to give to Manny Machado. Um, he's he's like the one guy that's like putting, you know, going... I don't even think he's... Goldschmidt's so good. He... he Mechano's yeah, like the he really tale. is. Yeah. But, but, but he's putting up some insane numbers, True. right? Like 325 batting average, like nearly 400 OBP. And, you know, Arenado, who is, you know, Goldschmidt's, you know, teammate, also playing third base. We all know how good Arenado is on defense. Platinum glove, I think, winner at some point. Sheesh. And so he's, he's like the only guy that might, you know, I think Arenado is definitely going to be on the all-star team, but... I think Manny's just too good this year. He's got to be starting. Uh, but
2: shortstop. Shortstop is interesting. The shortstop, I think, it's not so clear here because Trey Turner, mm-hmm. I
0: really like. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's almost a stylistic uh, preference whether you're going to go Trey Turner or Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor, like the batting average is not super impressive, but like, you know, the RBIs, RBI the yeah. productivity. Yeah. Uh, the wins above replacement show you that he is a more slightly more impactful player. But Trey Turner's obviously got the wheels. He's got, he's got the uh, hitting for contact. And he's been more consistent, you know, in the past couple of years. I think he's probably one of the most underrated players, actually, in the National League. Right. Uh, because, you know, he just doesn't hit that many home runs. I mean, that's the only thing, right? right, right. But, it, but Francisco Lindor, I want to give it to him, right? Because, like, he was one of the guys that I said... If the Mets are going to have success this season, he needs to pull through. Sure. And let's be real; like he's not even playing at his best. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's playing really well, but he can even be better. Right. But this is like the bare minimum that I think he needs to play at for the Mets to a cash in on the big contract they threw at him, and then b be where they are. Right, uh, Lindor is a huge part of why the Mets have a like a, a, a stranglehold of the NLE so far this season. They're they are eight games in front of second place. And uh, it's 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 a dominant Mets performance so far this season. And I think you definitely have to have at least one Met, I think, represented in the starting lineup. And uh, Francisco Lindor is deserving of that. Um, Outfield. (laughs) This is is where I think, you know, some people are going to lose me. Um, oh no! Well, not with this first one. Mookie Betts, I think. Okay, you know, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not. that crazy. No, there's I'm nothing gonna give Mookie Betts one of the uh, spots. I mean, he's he's the, he is the Mike Trout of the National League. Um, he's got five tools. Yeah. Uh, he's leading the league. He's leading the National League in total bases. He's leading the National League in. Um, I think he's tied for home runs. Yeah, he and, has 16 home runs, man. Yeah, like uh, which is insane. Yeah, right? no. But the thing yeah. is, is like Mookie does that, like, yeah, those are moving yeah, things, yeah, right, yeah. and, and last, last year, I was a little bit worried because he had an off season by his standards, and you know how it is with baseball, right, you know, de- like, declines, you know, falling off cliff, like, these happen all the time, yeah. and I was, like, really praying that, like, you know, this is not one of those cases, Yeah, and he has come back, he's been back. firing on all cylinders, and, you know, it. when he's playing like this, you, like, there, he's a lock, he's, he's just a lock, yeah, I agree, um, the next one I have is the name is not going to be super scandalous. I mean, it's Ronald Acuna jr. Okay. He is, you know, people know that he is one of the best players in baseball. He just has to stay healthy, right? Yeah, exactly. And he's only yeah. played 27 games. That's he's only played problem. 27 games and we know that's just, that's, that's not enough, but right. I'm putting him here. Why? Because I mentioned in the beginning, right? We need this to be watchable <laughs> We need to, to, to be watchable. I, I, I don't want somebody who's just having a good season. I don't want somebody who's just happening, happening to have a good season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what the bench is for. <laughs> that's what the bench is for, right?
1: And, and 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 to be fair to him, like his twenty-seven games have been very really good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's, I mean, been, he's been very good in the few games that
3: he's
0: played. Exactly, exactly. So it, it, it's, it's like LeBron James of this season, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Not many games played, but you know, the numbers, you can't deny. Yeah, you can't you deny. You can't deny that the yeah. numbers
2: are good. Yeah.
0: And so, so he's got to be in there. You know, okay. 5 yeah, tool a player at, at his best when healthy. Um, he's got to be there. All right. But then the last one here. <clears throat> it better. I'm putting work. Jock Peterson.
1: There you go. Okay, all right.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm putting Jock Peterson. Yeah. I'm putting Jock Peterson. Yeah. And this is where, where I'm talking about, like, the, the nice, pretty swing. Because, man, I got to tell you, Jock Jock has trouble. He's always had trouble making contact. But this year, he's hitting 270. Super happy for the dude. He's, you know, he's low-key putting up numbers. Top 10 in home runs. Top yeah. 10 in OPS. You yeah. know, top 10 in slugging. And this is what we know him for, right? He's He's a... He's a guy who might struggle to make contact, but he can he can definitely put up twenty home runs a season. Yeah, and when sure. he hits a home run, I mean, there's that they're, they're beauties, right? Like a, a a nice big lefty swing that just hooks things into right. Like that's Ooh. you gotta have one of those. And I think Josh Peterson happy for the guy, and of course he plays for the Giants, which I kind of have a soft spot for. So uh, I'm gonna put him as my uh, last outfielder.
1: I think I think those I, um, I I don't I don't think many people will argue with you there. You got. Like, you may have unwittingly done so, but you got out of the the NL outfielders, you got the top three in OPS. Like, those are literally the top three. And then, after them, there's a pretty pretty steep drop-off to the next guy. So, um, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy.
0: I don't know. I, I think a lot of people will look at Jock ja Peterson's resume and be extremely skeptical. Sure. First of all, like, sure. because he's super streaky um a lot of people are probably gonna have questions whether or not job peterson is going to be hitting 270 by the end of even this month i mean that's not a guarantee <laughs> at all. and and i understand that and, and and i think that's probably um probably the only reservation that i have about him is that um yeah his contact is just kind of dreadful
2: well something um, like what
0: did th- th- you th- put up there though like so far this season um there was that um Oh, what's his name? Like Juan Soto? The outfielder. Um, uh, Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo's playing well for the Mets. Okay, okay. Um, that's, a, that's a name that I saw thrown around a bit. Um, and, and, and I mean, honestly, objectively, he might be the better choice. And he's also playing for the better team. Yeah, um,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. But he's probably I the mean, best John outfielder on that, on that team. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, but Josh Peterson. Josh Peterson's uh, home run swing you know, we, we got, we got to, we got to put that on. Uh, no, I, don't, I, don't. National television. I
1: think, I think what, like, I think it's good that in the all-star game, you, you, you know, you give some credit for good performance in the first half because that's kind of what it's based off of. So, you know, it, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, like it's, yeah, it happens all the time. Like you, you have a lot of outside picks of guys that you usually don't expect to like put in a good full regular season, um, and the reality is is that oftentimes they just fall off after the break. But you know that's part of it. I mean that that is as per usual with uh, uh, MLB All Stars. Um, with with the DH, I'm gonna pick, and this is probably why I was able to fit Jock Peterson in there is the fact that Bryce Harper's been playing mostly DH this season. Um, and yes, he has that injury. So he's been, he hasn't been out uh, playing in the outfield, but I mean, he's still Bryce Harper at the plate. He's a, he's at 13 home runs, 40 plus RBIs, uh, hitting 300 plus batting average. I mean, this is, this is just what Bryce Harper does. And when he's healthy, uh, when he's performing, even to slightly below his standards, he's, he's a lock for the all-star game. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, You have to put him in there. Yeah. I'm um, Starting pitching. This one's also a little bit, you know... My starting pitching, I think choices are a little bit spicy. Well, the AL one a little bit more, but NL... <laughs> NL, I think, is a little bit okay. I, I pick Sandy Alcantara. Um, he's first in Windsor above replacement, right? Second in uh, ERA. But I think for me, right... And, and, and here's the interesting thing, right? Uh, the other obvious choice or front runner is Joe Musgrove of... The Padres. Mm -hmm. And I know people hate wins and losses. And I cannot rationalize the win-loss record to from a statistical standpoint. Sure. But I will say this, right? Joe Musgrove is six and oh, but the Padres are really good. Sandy Alcantara is six and two, but the Marlins are really bad. (laughs) So I I think you know, uh like when I look at that, I, I I do put a lot of record, I I put a lot of respect on Sandy's name and also i think sandy in general is a super underrated pitcher last year he had a three point like 3.2 era or something like that and he like pitched all season 200 innings pitch he didn't even make it to the all-star team and that kind of felt a little bit unfair to me and he's always been you know low three era kind of dudes this year he's like stepped it up um he's got he's got Good fastball. He's not a strikeout dude, but he's got a fast. He's got a, a fastball that could hit, you know, high nineties. You know, he I think I think he's I think he's Showtime man, and I think he, I'd like to see him um, up there. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of Joe Musgrove, to be honest.
2: Uh, so maybe that's a little bit. Why. So
1: why him over Max
0: Scherzer?
2: <laughs> I mean,
0: for me, Max Scherzer also is like. He's gonna probably make the All Star game,
2: but I mean, he's also a little bit old, man. It's, yeah, it's he's old, but not as ex- me, he's still really good.
0: I mean, yeah. I, again, we have the bench. We have the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, All right. I, then- I really like Sandy. I like Sandy, and I want to see him like start.
3: I mean, that's
2: fair. Like, I mean, that's fair. How do you feel about yeah. Corbin Burns? Um, I actually don't know
0: too much about um how he's been doing. I
2: life. would look up
1: um,
0: some Corbin Burns, man. Yeah, cause, cause uh, I know he, I know he was good
2: last season. I gotta look at his numbers. I, I mean, yeah, two point pretty... five. I mean, I mean, but Sandy's like one point eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sandy's one point yeah, eight. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Sandy be one point
0: eight, but Corbin's got 0. .922 whip, which is like that's pretty fire. That's pretty fire. And Corbin's also a strikeout guy. And I and and I do tend to like strikeout guys like in an all-star game. I do, because okay. I mean sure. But I know Sandy's not, but I do like strikeout guys. And you'll definitely see that in my AL uh starting pitching pick. Okay. Which I mean I might as well just say it's not Nestor Cortez. It's Shane McClanahan. That's... is Shane that's McClanahan of the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, I I knew that he was gonna have a good season because uh I mean, first of all, he's a Tampa Bay Rays starting pitcher. And he had a good rookie season. So I think this is kind of dude. Like, he's kind of like him, Alec Manoa of the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, just young pitchers. You could see it from a mile away that they were going to have seasons like this. Um, Shane McClanahan's he's top five in whip. Top five in strikeouts per nine innings pitched. Top five in ERA. Number one in strikeouts. I mean... We're watching the All Star Game. We want home runs and we want nasty pitches and strikeouts. And so McClanahan is also young, so rising star checks all the boxes. Honestly, um, I, th- I think he, I think he's got to be uh, starting.
1: for No, May. no, Verlander, man.
0: Verlander also like Scherzer. Like Verlander has like put in some like very like memorable moments this season, but I think the stats for him are not. Extremely balanced, right? He, oh, well, he also he hasn't played that many games, straight up. Yeah, like I, I'm not too sure about him starting. I I mean, he he should make the team though. Like yeah, like there were some honorable mentions, you know, like uh, Nestor Cortez, like you said, Martin Perez for the Rangers. I just can't do that though, because like the Rangers is just so like they're just so bad as a team. Yeah, that I mean that's and. Bad. And Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays, um, I mean, if I put him in there too, then I would be accused too much of homerism. At that point. <laughs> I mean, You're going to see the rest of the lineup. Uh, I, yeah, the thing with oh Alec is that like, his, his ERA is extremely good, but, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think McClanahan, I think, would be better. I, I, all these guys, by the way, these honorable mentions, they're all making it to the team. They all are. All right. So it's it's I mean, it's not can, the end of the can world. Can we talk
1: a little bit about the Yankees though, and their fucking pitcher lineup, and how fucking nuts they are? Like, I think just
0: we can talk about how nuts they are in general. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: even, but, but even okay, but just like to start with pitchers, like holy shit, they have a lot of really really good fucking pitchers. Like a literal handful of like. All-star caliber pitcher.
0: it's nuts. I mean, like the, it's what the Yankees always do. Like they have, uh, they always have an insane bullpen disgusting. and really overpaid. Like I mean, really highly paid uh, starters. A lot of times they end up becoming overpaid. But Cole's insane. Yeah, Cole's I mean, insane. Nestor Cortez is. I mean, he's like the breakout guy, right? Yeah. And then you still have Luis Severino. Yes. Yeah. You know when he's when when he's healthy, he's insanely good. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, Jameson Tyone, I like him as well. So like he, yeah, they're
1: just it, they're They're, nuts. Just they're
0: absolutely um, nuts.
1: Uh, yeah, right, let, let's run through the the rest of the AL here.
0: Uh, catcher Alejandro Kirk of the Toronto Blue Jays. I, I mean, this is not that. This is not a wild pick. I don't think so, man. He's leading the position in batting average. He's leading the position in on-base percentage, slugging, OPS. Uh, the only crazy thing is that it's Alejandro Clerk, And you can probably, before the beginning of the season, think of five guys that would make the all-star team before him on sure, the Toronto Blue sure, Jays. Sure. Um, that's about, like, the. I think that's the only reason why like people might be a little bit, you know, surprised by this one. But, I mean, the Blue Jays just have had a really interesting season. Um, a lot of role players sticking out, like standing out, and a lot of their mainstay stars, not so much. Right. And, and they're the, as a unit, they're heating up now. But um, this has just been an interesting season, um, I think, in in, in different ways. Uh, but where they are, um, second place in, in the division, you know, it sounds about right. Um, they're getting hot, and Alejandro Kirk is a big part of why. Yeah. Um, speaking of mainstay stars. I'm, put, I'm putting Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base, man. I'm putting him at first base. And, 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 and here's why. Like I said, right? Like it's, it, it's, you have to think about the watchability. I mean, and, and you you know how hyped he was. You know how hype of a season he had. Yeah. And, and let's not pretend that like he's, he's, you know, playing poorly right now. He's still got 13 homers um yeah the batting average is not there and he's not having an mvp caliber season That's what but I'm
3: saying, yeah,
0: i mean the thir- 13 home runs looks hot and the fact that he's freaking vladimir guerrero
2: jr right yeah, okay so, all right but you know using that exact same reasoning i could put anthony rizzo Anthony
1: Rizzo doesn't have nearly the same amount of hype as... No no no, no. no, 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 not that reasoning.
0: The statistical reasoning. I mean, but like, Rizzo's hitting like 200, like yeah, right yeah, above Yeah, it's the, pretty bad. It's and, bad. And Guerrero's hitting 250, which isn't that
1: bad. Yeah. It's yeah. really bad by his
0: standards. It's, it's, it's really bad by
2: his it's standards. It's really a chip, a chip to tie. Well... And, and I'll also say one thing
0: about Rizzo. He's okay. a lefty playing at Yankee Stadium, so his home runs count less.
2: Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to. Uh, uh, all
3: right, all right. All
2: right, continue, yeah. continue, continue. Uh,
0: second base, I think, is like really, like a really bad position overall. Yeah. In the American League. Trevor's story would have been the favorite if you like looked at it from, you know, the beginning of the season or maybe Marcus Simeon, but Marcus Simeon's absolutely shat the bed. Trevor's story was shitting the bed until like very recently. And then he's had like an insane last couple weeks. Um, but still, if you look back on the big picture, he has had an underwhelming season. Um, and that leaves us with players like Santiago Espinal, one of the players who really stepped up for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. And maybe a guy like Luis Arayas on the Minnesota Twins, who's actually my pick. Um, nice. and, and, and of course, I, we have to talk about Jose Altuve, who's yeah, you know, right. also, by his standards, not having a great season. So it's like second base is kind of just like a really crappy position this year. Yeah. And Luis Arayas Major League Leading 361 batting average. Anybody? Anybody want a piece of that? I mean, he doesn't hit <laughs> home runs for his life, but uh, Major League leading batting average and on-base percentage, I mean, I, I think, like, you know. And, and the Twins are having a good season. So, you know, if we're going to put somebody in the starting lineup, you know, I th- I think he's a good pick to put him in there. Um, yeah, but it's not it's, it's not a choice that I was, like, really happy making. Uh, nobody was, like, really standout, you know, quality stuff like Marcus Semien was last year. Right. Marcus Semien, the... The, the the third in MVP voting and um, unfortunately he he's just having a horrible uh, start and this Terrible. is why you don't overpay players man like this is what happened like it, he's having the Francisco Lindor 2021 experience with the Rangers this year um, yeah yeah I don't know what to say yeah um, <sighs> third base was really hard for a different reason third base is like really deep this year well no no not really not really deep. There's just two guys. They're two that are guys. Two really guys. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're two guys. Rapid. Devers, Raffy Devers, who like probably to me personally one of the most terrifying guys to see go up against my team. Um, <laughs> he's, he's so clutch. He's so clutch. Um, he's got three wins above replacement. Like that's looking like a snack, right? But then on the other hand, you got Jose Ramirez, who was the big fish in free agency this year. Stays with the Indians, gets a lot of money, and w- with fewer plate appearances than Rafi Devers, he's put up 20, uh, he's put up 20 more RBI. Yeah,
2: 50 more
0: RBI. He's having a monster season. I mean, this is what he does. That's like insane. he's just saying he's, he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. And the thing is is Rafi is having like his own like fringe MVP kind of season this year. But Jose Ramirez is like one of the front runners I so like it's 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 man it's, it's also bizarre because Jose
1: hits 280 while you know rafi hits like 340.
0: Uh, i know right
1: and, and it, like that's so bizarre like how is this possible
0: how are these numbers
1: possible
0: i mean i i mean it's it, 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 it's yeah the, the ribbies i mean like oh my like god jay ram is is the production of the cleveland indians crazy whereas, like, man. You know, yeah, uh, Raphael Devers, I mean, he, he shares the heart of the order with, you know, Xander Bogarts, uh, J.D. Martinez. And so it's, it's kind of, uh, nice. I, I can see why. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, but, like, make no mistake, Raphael Devers is going to be on the team. So, I mean, it's just a matter of who gets that starting nod. I think J.D. Right. deserves it a little bit more uh, this year. Yeah, he's nuts. Um, shortstop. We got uh, we got the the modern day Jackie Robinson, Tim Anderson, on Jesus, the, right? the Chicago White Sox. So,
3: <laughs> right?
0: Um, I mean,
3: uh, he fair, said, he said, not
0: me. He said <laughs> He's he he is hitting like almost three sixty. And not only that, he's leading OPS in his position. Yeah, like so, to be it he's all like objectively a good pick.
1: Yeah, like I don't know.
0: It's just the cringe factor, you know. It is a cringe factor, and, and, and but but the thing is, you got it. What we got to look out for is that he got injured last week, and so Xander Bogart, who's Bogarts, like kind yeah. of breathing down his neck, yep. might make some make up some ground. And it's going to be interesting, like you know what happens with like Tim Anderson's popularity yeah. with like the whole thing, because let's be honest, like a lot of people probably didn't know who Tim Anderson was until like you know the <laughs> Josh Donaldson incident, and so. He's got a lot of popularity. I mean, we're gonna find out if it's the good type or not. <laughs> like we we know Xander Bogarts has good like you know name value, but uh, we're we're gonna find out really what uh, uh what uh Tim Anderson's all about here. Um, the outfield, I mean, I'll make it quick uh, with the first two. Mike Trout. I mean, if he's playing like he does, the wins above replacement king. I mean, he's top five this season. He's got to be in there. Aaron Judge. Um, yeah. Look, you can't say anything about
1: 22 home runs. Like what else what else can yeah. to say? 22 home runs uh, uh, and uh, 45 uh,
0: RBI. Yeah, um 22 home runs on pace for above 60. Like yeah, I can't. Like yeah, what are, well, yeah, what can you say? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. The the last one though, this is kind of interesting cuz you could put in Taylor Ward. Yeah, that's what you would think. But the Angels have also lost like 30 games in a row and just lost their manager, like, they are not in a good spot right now.
2: And I don't numbers. think
0: they deserve...
1: But look at his numbers!
0: I don't think they deserve... Oh. I don't think they deserve three starters. Spoiler about who's coming in DH. So,
2: no I'm, not give it to, I'm not gonna give it to Taylor Ward. Uh, and Jordan Alvarez, he's... I think he's in the running for DH. I don't think he's in the running for left fielder today. Okay. Okay.
0: So. No, that I makes don't. Me don't do it. Don't do with, it. With. Don't do it. And again, no. what did I say? We need. We need. We need watchability. We need okay. some. Some charismatic characters. Okay. Front and center. So and it we're is. putting in George Springer. George Springer. I do this when there's when, when is
1: right fucking there i
0: knew you were gonna do this <laughs> charismatic individuals i mean george springer he's a walking highlight machine lead off homers you know george springer is like the ideal number one leadoff batter for this lineup uh and uh i, I hope he's gonna be there um uh,
2: controversial of course Fun, yes. right! Yeah, no. I, I, He makes the team. Well, but all again, he that's like what he the, is the team. Oh, that's like, what the bench
0: is for. Outrageous. And then we'll end up with DH. Um, I already spoiled it. It's Shohei Ohtani. I know Yordan Alvarez is having an insane season, but it's Shohei Ohtani. I'm sorry, dude. Shohei Ohtani's got to be starting. Um, he's uh, like he's the biggest name in baseball, straight up. If if yeah. I put in. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in first base. I mean, by law precedent, I need to be putting Shohei Ohtani. Yeah, in. I agree. and so he is. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. And and so there is there is my starting lineup. I think it's pretty solid. I mean, what what do you think? I I thought it, I thought you know. I think it's a good amount of you know biases. You know, some personal you know preference. And I've stayed true to the stats, and I've stayed true to you know
2: who are the big characters in the game right now. I think, I think he did a pretty good job. I think, I think yeah, I think, man. I mean,
1: John I mean, Peterson. I'm happy about. Even yeah. if they're not the starters, yeah. like I think we talked about, most of the folks who would be, who should be kind of the front runners, you know.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think everybody on this list definitely will be on the team. I just don't know if they're all going to be starters. But I think these are the guys that will be starters. I mean, Shohei Otani is like a lock already because it's a popularity contest, and he's definitely. Yeah, he he could hit a hundred he could hit one fifty for the entire month and his he's still gonna be starting. So you
1: know. The real question is, does our boy G Man Choi make it
0: to the bench? I don't know actually.
2: Because he hasn't know. been bad. He's been pretty good.
0: Yeah, and like, you know, like you know, classic, you know, hitters coming over from Korea, like yeah. on base percentage is really looking like a snack and, and yeah, I mean
1: 27 RM nothing to scoff at?
0: Yeah, it's like he he's he's a he's a defensive highlight machine. I mean, he can do splits better than an Olympian.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: you know, it's kind of
1: The Rays are not going uh, bad. The Rays are 33 and 23.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, and before we move on from baseball, I'll just say, remember when I talked about how this new playoff format, watch all the AL East teams get in in the top four? Yeah. That's literally if we stop the season It right could now, actually happen, yeah. That's exactly what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> Which is
2: that's I
3: actually so nuts. hilarious.
0: That's but I mean, everybody saw it coming. <laughs> My God.
2: Everybody saw it coming, man.
0: All right. all right, let's move on to NFL. Oh, man. The NFL.
2: The
1: NFL. I mean really is the offseason, so it's pretty slow, but I, the, the big news is obviously the Browns and the kerfuffle that they've kind of put themselves in, and I think kerfuffle is the perfect word because it's a complete shit show, firestorm, dumpster fire over in Cleveland, so to give you a little background here, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but basically um,
2: Baker Mayfield was the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns at the end of the season, and and The team had told Baker that he's their guy. He's their guy going forward.
1: He played through injury for them all, pretty much all season
2: last. So his season wasn't the greatest season, but he was also playing through injury the entire time. And then, without warning, Deshaun Watson becomes
1: available and Cleveland Browns go, Deshaun, we're going to give you the biggest fucking contract ever in the history of the NFL, like literally ever. The craziest thing about this is not that they just, you know, stabbed Baker in the back and said, you know, told him at the end of the season, you're our guy. And then immediately, as soon as they saw a chance to get out of that, you know, go for another quarterback. But Deshaun Watson at the time and is still surrounded
2: by controversy because of oh man what's the best way to put this some some sketchy behavior having to
1: do with some masseuses over the past you know two years let's say and mind you this is we're not talking about like one or two masseuses the New York Times recently came out with a report like yesterday I think they re- they did an
2: investigation and he met 66 fucking masseuses over 17 months and let's do, let's, let's do the math really quickly 66 17, 17 months. months that is that is four a month I mean that's one that's one a week A different one
1: every week? Okay, that's already sketchy. That you saw a different one every fucking week. (laughs) Okay, like, is there a reason why you had to keep switching and see a different one every week, Deshaun? Like, and then, on top of it, there were a lot of non-disclosure agreements that apparently someone from the Houston Texans actually provided him with. They were like, Use this non-disclosure because you're going to fucking need it. Um, And there have been multiple, multiple masseuses coming out and saying that there was, you know, inappropriate behavior from Deshaun Watson, um, unwanted advances from Deshaun Watson, et cetera, et cetera. So all of this is happening still. And Cleveland is like, you know what, Deshaun? Here's the biggest fucking contract that the NFL has ever, ever, ever seen, you know, in the history of the NFL. Oh, my God. Like, it, like, Jesus, you. okay? so from the perspective of the Cleveland Browns, you have to understand you already have a top 15 quarterback, which is hard to come by in the NFL because, you know, there are only 15 of them in the entire world
0: and you have one of them.
1: (laughs) He wants to play for your team. It's
0: like the devil fruits of one piece.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> not many of these. <laughs> there
1: are not any of that, and you have one of that, and then you're like, hmm. So there's this other one. It's on fire, but it could be better than the one that we have now. But it's on fire.
0: I mean, let's be honest. It's not could be better. I mean, he is better. He is better.
1: Yeah, he yeah. is better. Yeah, he is, he is better. Than better than Baker, yes, yeah. yes. But he's on fire. <laughs> Like, the fruit is is literally like burning up, and you're just like, let me spend all of the money that I have and acquire this fruit while while still having the other one. So, the craziest thing about this is that Baker still hasn't been traded. He's still on the fucking rounds. The... The, the Browns refuse to trade him because they, they don't think they're going to get the compensation that they want. And now it's time for uh, mandatory like, uh, workouts to, to start for, for the NFL teams. And they've told Baker they've come to a mutual agreement that he can be excused from the mandatory workouts.
2: I know. It, it, it's and then to add to this all... Because of the investigation
1: and all the things surrounding Deshaun Watson, it's still up in the air whether or not he will be suspended for a large part, if not the entire 2022 2023 season, which is completely possible. Remind, mind you, Calvin Ridley, he's out for the entire season, right? Yeah, I believe he's suspended for the entire season, and
2: all he did was bet $1,500 on fucking DraftKings in a game that he was not playing in. $1,500. That's a huge red flag, though. Uh, it I, I'm not saying... No,
0: DraftKings is definitely not even remotely close to what Deshaun yeah, Watson no, did. Yeah, But, like, from an integrity standpoint, like, that's, like, every, like, sport watcher's, like, nightmare. Yeah, is that, it like, is. What, it really like, the reality and the possibility or even the even the... It, yeah, even just, like, the remote possibility that everything that we're watching is a lie. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like like anything NFL, that promotes that is that— The NFL had to, like, stomp down pretty hard on that.
1: Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. But there have been many cases much, uh, you know, much less severe than Deshaun's case that have ended up with multiple game suspensions. And so then— you have, So let me, let me summarize the entire situation, all right? The Cleveland Browns have had a starting quarterback. They told him that he was their guy at the end of last season. They proceeded to then sign a quarterback who is pending an investigation and a potential suspension for God knows how long and gave him the largest contract ever in the history of the NFL. And now... And now they still don't know if that quarterback that they paid is going to be able to play for the majority of the season. In addition to the fact that they still have their original starting quarterback that they have not been able to offload and you're still responsible for paying him and his contract.
2: What a fucking nightmare. Like, I mean, like, like what, what are they thinking? I mean... Of course you're not gonna get compensation
0: now that you've just, like signed Deshaun Watson, you have no leverage. It's like yeah everybody knows that like it's, yeah. you need to get rid of him. Yeah. Like, everyone's just gonna line up to try to fleece you. Like what do you expect, right? It's it, it's nuts.
1: Like I, I really don't I, I
0: I I don't I don't know what's going on.
1: I have I have I have no idea what's going
0: on. It's, I mean yeah, like like it totally just take out the fact that like Deshaun Watson's going through all this legal trouble. Just, just, just like, even if you take out that out of the equation, this already is a kind of a ridiculous situation. Yeah, yeah. to just be tied up financially like this and to just relinquish all kinds of leverage, you know? That's, just every
1: aspect of this situation is so bizarre, and only a franchise like the fucking Cleveland Browns can pull this off. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yo, five five years 230 million jeez it's not just that Do you know
2: what the fucking guarantee on that is oh i don't even want to know it's fully guaranteed oh which in the oh. nfl
1: it never happened it literally this is unprecedented
2: it's, even patrick mahomes let me let me let me see Patrick Mahomes got a hundred and forty-one million guaranteed over twelve years, though. That's over twelve fucking years. One hundred forty-one million. His,
0: what's his What's his What's actual contract though? Value like um, um, non like including the non guaranteed. I believe it's like five
1: hundred million.
2: But over a over longer years, years. Over. over ten years over twice the time.
1: And also, Mahomes
2: is better than Watson. But,
1: but obviously, yes. And he's younger. But okay, the biggest part is none of the none of the actual big numbers matter because the only things that matter here are the is the guaranteed money because you can get cut at any point and then you don't you don't get the you don't get the rest of the money right.
0: I mean, for a guy who like might be freaking going to jail, (laughs) yeah.
1: Like you paid him. Patrick Mahomes got hundred forty-one million guaranteed. You gave him almost twice that in guaranteed money? What the fuck are you thinking? (laughs) And and Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, Why were you so desperate? You already have a starting quarterback. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh. I mean, they just look at the good times, you know. They they know Deshaun. I mean, Deshaun Watson's a great player, man. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, I fucking tilted. All right, let's move on. I'm I'm too tilted. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about golf. Woo! Oh, man. Let's talk
0: about the game that they play on <laughs> eighteen holes. <laughs> Try to get you know every single hole. <laughs> fewest strokes possible person with the fewest strokes wins <laughs> um but yeah let, let's talk about this uh this this new league that's coming out i don't even know what they call it do they actually call it 54 like what what are they gonna call i this? have no idea i would assume that
1: they call it 54. i know like how it
0: looks like on on text but i don't yeah, i haven't on heard text, anybody it actually like LIV. it looks like liv
1: for the listeners of the podcast exactly right but uh, it's not an acronym it or or like yeah it's it's not they're not the actual letters like it's the roman numerals for the number 54 and it's like the reasoning or the the reasoning is twofold it's one 54 is the number of holes that the players will play for each event during the tour and number two 54 is also the score that you would get for getting a birdie on every single hole um so like the, the The logic there
0: is kind of twofold that way it's like you know that's i mean it's it's clever but i i mean do we have to make the title of your league kind of that gimmicky i mean i don't know i don't know it's pretty
1: gimmicky to me i don't know
0: um but besides that i mean the bigger you know controversy is i mean the saudis can't keep getting away with this They just keep buying out all the talent, right? I mean, they they they, we've seen it with uh, European football. They just put in all this money into like you know buying clubs like Newcastle, and they're just gonna put Newcastle and make them Premier League champions. And they're just trying to do the same thing. They're just trying to buy out all this top top end PGA talent and poach them into this new league where they're guaranteeing money and. It's just like financially, like it just makes so much more sense. Um, We've had some pretty popular players to join. Like Phil Mickelson is a legend. Dustin Johnson, I mean, he's past his prime, but he was at some point, you know, the man.
1: I'm pretty sure Dustin Johnson is still a top 20 player like ranking wise. Oh he's
0: still a top twenty player, but like I believe he was like even first at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Right,
0: right, right. Like like at his peak he was the man. Yep, yep. Um obviously not anymore and like his um and he's not exactly like a young dude. I mean I know golf players, you know, they last like much, much longer. Yeah. But But he's still um, well over like thirty five. He's like thirty six. But the thing is like yeah with Dustin Johnson though, right? And and and, you know the, the, the financial incentives are kind of twofold, right? First is just how the payout structure is given so that out of the 42 or 48 players that are in this new live league, they have the the last place person still going to come out with winning six digits. So it's guaranteed money from the purse perspective. Yep. And then they also have all just like a one time, like almost like a sign on bonus, but it's insane. Like how big these sums of money are. Yeah. Um, I believe Dustin Johnson was paid something in nine digits. Um, his career PGA earnings, I mean, we're not talking about sponsorship money included. But the thing is like Dustin Johnson, he's not a Tiger Woods. He's not making that kind of sponsorship money, but he's right. getting some sponsorship money for sure. I mean, because right. you just, if you're number one in the world at some point, you're going to get like a, a good chunk of sponsorship money, right? Yep. But yep. PGA earnings only, he's not even nine digits for his career on that. Right, right. So we know that basically this new league opened up a like a big fat wallet that exceeds his career earnings yeah at minimum who knows how much it was in the nine digits i don't know i haven't seen an actual figure it on doesn't it doesn't even matter but nine i just not exactly nine digits it's, it's more than what he's earned pga like yeah. career earnings yeah like exactly how can he say no to that
1: and then it's, it's it's on top of that it's so like that's what it's like for the top players right And then for the other players, the the great like financial aspect of this new league is that even if you're if even if you come in last in in you know any leg of the tour, uh, you still make one hundred and twenty grand. If if you if you come in last in like if you don't make the cut in the PGA Tour, you make four grand. This is the difference. The, The difference is. If in the in this new league, if you win, you get what four and a half million or something like that. Four million. Yes, four. Yeah, four, four million, million or something. Million. So the winner gets four million in the biggest U.S. major tournament, the U.S. Open. The winner makes like two point two five million, and we're not talking about a major here. We're talking about like just like a regular season like tour, and the winner for each event is making almost twice that of the U S open So, like, or even for even the, the, the lower tier players who aren't necessarily, who may not be getting like that signing bonus or whatever, they still get a lot of financial stability because man, I don't know how many events that they play over the course of the year. But even if you get last place for each event, you're making $120,000 per event. So. It's, like, it's also a level of, like, stability that professional golf players who maybe you know, not top tier have never experienced before.
0: Crazy. Yeah. And also, like, this is a pool of 40, 48 players? 48, I believe, yeah. Uh, yeah, and these PGA Tour, like, you know, major events, they have a bigger pool than that, I believe. Like, yeah, yeah, significantly that's right. Larger. That's right, yeah. That's exactly so, right, yeah. Like, everything right from a probability perspective from you know the actual like you know where you, where the earnings can top out like it just makes more sense
1: exactly like, yeah and, and i just looked it up it's um there are eight tours or there are eight events so it's um you make nine hundred sixty thousand dollars minimum if you lose every single freaking one so that's crazy right it's, the, it's like it's like if you get in here it's even if you're the worst player you're guaranteed to make a million dollars a year which if you're a, like a if you're a lower tier like pro golfer that's a really fucking good deal
0: <laughs> i know and i saw some of the names on that like list yeah like a lot of them are like yeah i never even heard of a lot yeah of
1: them. yeah yeah for sure they're like they like golfers. you know when i
0: look at them it's like yeah
1: yeah there are golfers on there who are like you know in the in the in the thousands in the rankings like um they like for those players, it's a it's, a, it's a golden opportunity to make a million dollars. I think like, like I'm gonna I, I look up Dustin Johnson's like career earnings, and I, I bet so this guy in digits. is really high, but it's it's seventy four million for his career, but then he just made nine digits on top of that.
0: Yeah, he, he basically like more than doubled up Yeah, overnight. But let me tell you this. That's crazy.
1: The craziest, the craziest thing about this is fucking okay, Phil Mickelson, his earnings per event is $144,000 over the course of his career. Per event. So you can lose every match and make almost as much as Phil Mickelson has made per event over the course of his career.
0: Who, like, to my understanding, is like a top, like, like, top, to
1: reclaim ever. Yeah. So, like...
0: That's crazy. That's
1: nuts, right? That's yeah. Crazy. Exactly. So, that, that's, that's, crazy, that's the level dude. of, like, payout that we're talking about here.
0: And so, like, like I mean, we, we have to touch on, right? Like, the argument for, clearly, is the financial incentive.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: The argument against, clearly, is a moralistic one, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it's this concept of, like, they call it sports washing, um, and it's kind of like a play on like brainwashing, but the idea is to um, to use sports, sporting events, uh, and invest in them in order to gain some sort of geopolitical power influence um, in, in one way or another. So, like, if you put this in, like, real terms, like... If we're talking about Saudi Arabia, so, so this league, this new Gulf League is a, is a Saudi-backed league. And it's not just by like private like Saudi business people. It's literally by like the Saudi government has a literal like wealth fund. And this fund from the Saudi government is funding the league. So it's not like just like business people from Saudi Arabia who are doing this. It's literally the government that is funding the league. Um, and and the reason that they're doing this, and, and this isn't the first time they've done this in esports. They've done this in obviously like soccer it's a it's a huge example of this where there's a lot of Saudi money in soccer. Um, the point of this is to you know put a bunch of money into these sports, you know, uh, gain a lot of uh, recognition, and essentially pull the attention away from all of the bad things that the country is doing all the human rights abuses all the civil rights abuses in their country all of like the assassinations the violence the the murders that are going on in their country they want you to forget that and instead use sports as a way to distract you and create a different image of the country in your head and in fact this concept of sports washing is not so new like it's it goes all the way, you can like trace it all the way back to like literally like, BC, like a BC era, like, um, like uh, Athens and, and Sparta. So it, it, there was a war between Sparta and Athens uh, way, way, way back in the day. And Athens was losing like pretty badly. So what did they decide to do? Instead of actually investing more into the war, they decided to invest in the Olympic Games. And they did really, really well in the Olympic Games. And so this shifted the geopolitical perspective of the country of Athens, literally. Because, because the Olympic Games was like a, a, a showing of like strength and stuff, right? And so <laughs> even though they were actually getting their asses handed to them in this war, because they fucking did well in the Olympics, the other countries were like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 I guess Athens is a strong country. Like, literally, this is what happened. Like, this is what actually happened. So, like, it, it's not, like, a, a brand-new concept, um, but it's something that a lot of countries have been doing. Uh, another great example is, is Qatar, right, for the 2022 World Cup. Um, it, there were a lot of uh, news articles initially when they were starting to build a stadium and, and all the stuff for the event uh, about human rights abuses, about migrant workers that were getting abused, uh, people were dying because they were having to work in like 100 degree heat um, without like proper like AC or water or anything like that. Um, but here we are in 2022 and no one is talking about that anymore. Right. And the World Cup is going to come around and no one's going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about the World Cup. So this is what these kind of countries are doing. They use sports as a method of of influencing the perspective of their own country in in a positive light and that's really kind of what's
2: at stake and and what's behind this like new golf league and and what it represents I mean it's a it's 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 and it's also like you know showing in the case of these golfers
0: right really how far I guess Philanthropism, you know, compassion really goes. And when individual greed, you know, becomes something that is inescapable almost. Yeah. Because you could look at, you know, guys like Dustin Johnson. He was going to double his net worth even more than that overnight. Yeah. And he just snap called that. He (laughs) snap called. Snap called. Snap called (laughs) that, right? It's, It's like, I mean, I don't even know what to say because it's like, there are so many of us that we would be foolish to say that, like, you know, we would stand in that position and say no to that.
3: Yep. Yep.
0: And a lot of us would be wrong. And it's so sad to see, honestly, because it's so sad to see. And of course, like, you know, you can be angry at him, you know, you could be like, you know, saying that, like, you know, you're, he's feeding into, you know, this behavior. and. You'd a hundred percent be right. but I mean, this is kind of individual greed, man. I mean, it's it's a scary
2: thing. It's nuts. Um,
1: I mean, it, it, it's it's also kind of crazy to just like step back and think about the influence that sports has on on the world and on us in general. like it's it's such it, sports has such a great influence that countries like Saudi Arabia, they're literally they, they've literally hired Boston consulting group, a management consulting group to, to help them come up with a strategy to lobby to get World Cups and other events played in Saudi Arabia because that's how important they believe these kind of sporting events can be to to uh, brushing up their image and and distracting from uh, the, the bad things that they're doing. Uh, so like it, it's incredible the amount of influence that you can that that these sports can have, that's that events like the Olympics or the World Cup can have on, on the world and, and their perspective of different countries. And you have to think about it especially you have to think about like especially countries that are not like the United States, where they're lesser developed countries, where the media is less sophisticated, where um the the news that's coming out is uh less vetted. Like all they're seeing is the stuff that's on the surface. Like, they don't get all the information that we get here in the United States. And so, like, they might not be, the influence might not be as strong to the rest of the world, or to the United States, I mean. But to the rest of the world, the influence is, is even greater than what we would see here in the United States.
2: Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. That's such a great point, man, because, yeah, totally. Like, we know so much in the U.S., um, at, at times, it feels like you know us people we know too little, <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah, the fact of the matter is is like you know for, for from from an availability of information, we are the exception, right? Um, we don't always use it to our advantage, but it is there. and um, yeah. Uh, like it's obviously it's going to be effective like on a lot a lot of countries yeah they're going to come on and think oh Saudi Arabia yeah they have all these sports leagues you know I watch them all the time and like that's what's going to be what people might take you know for face value Yeah, uh, which is you know mind-blowing given you know the things that are going on um, there's something that we haven't talked about and I want to touch on this before we end the show Tiger Woods was approached about joining this league and he was offered Greg Norman, the CEO of this league and former golfing legend. I don't know how he got tangled up in this uh, league and how he became the CEO. I mean, that's a, I need to do more reading into that, but this guy used to be a legend, right? Yeah. Um, But anyways, he said that Tiger Woods had been offered something in the high nine digits. We're talking nearly a billion at that point to just join, right? And Tiger turned it down. I mean, we don't have to talk about how Tiger is already a
3: billionaire.
2: Yeah. Right? Like
0: he's yeah. like him joining like comparing him to Dustin Johnson would be like comparing LeBron James to Giannis.
3: Yeah. Giannis yeah. is a
0: great player. But in terms of net worth, he is not even close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um LeBron James has amassed an empire. Um, uh, this is Tiger Woods. Uh if he is not one of the faces of the pga tour he is he is the pga tour right yep. and the thing is, is like you know i thought about it a little bit and i think you know well here's the thing right phil Mickelson joined this league and kpmg his other sponsors drop out immediately yep tiger woods is like one of the faces of nike yeah right um what happens if he joins the league um if you're a nike company stock is like on suicide watch after yeah. that first of all right it's 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 um i could honestly see having like see him going to nike with that offer and saying hey what are you gonna do for me uh <laughs> because we need to revisit this um you know be, it's something interesting to think they're about,
1: gonna give me one billion dollars
0: <laughs> i don't know man i don't know because like with nike it's like they're in too deep with him right yeah, it's yeah. like you know they like you know, we we live and die together. Yeah. Um. And, uh But it also says a lot, right? About I don't know what you think, but it says a lot about you know just Tiger Woods as like you know a competitor. Uh, he's out there to win. He's he's not out there to make money anymore. He's he's all about like you know the legacy. He truly is about the legacy. Yep. And you can't say that about a lot of golf players. And, I mean. It's easy to say, I guess, for Tiger because he's already amassed a legacy that it puts him in the likes of, like, you know, Jack Nicklaus and, like, you know, the greatest of all time. Yep. And he is now at this point, he is trying to become the greatest of all time if, he, if it isn't unanimous already, right? So, uh, like, he's, he's on a mission that's – a mission that is bigger than money, clearly. And, um, you know, i definitely say that if he had joined um, this league, it would have been – we would have been looking at things a lot differently and, and this already seems, you know, way too controversial and big as it already is, right?
1: Also, can we just talk about, like, how much $1 billion, like, is, like, like, if you had a billion dollars, there's no, there's, there, there's literally zero reason that you would need to make a dollar more in your lifetime, because you could live lavishly, I'm, ta- I'm saying lavishly, for the rest of your life with a billion dollars, and you would not run out of money, so, like, like, like literally, literally, just think about how much one one billion dollars is, and think about what you could possibly spend that money on in order for you to run out before you die, because I literally cannot think of any possible way to spend that money before I die.
0: I mean, uh, I think at that point, like, you literally can't spend it on tangible things it's just assets at that point i can't think of anything it's like
1: why would you have assets if you're going to die like what's the point it's just like i don't know dude that's what i'm saying i mean like
0: i and to be honest like to me like that that kind of like perspective doesn't even start at a billion it starts at even like the lower than that yeah 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 the only thing that the only
1: thing that i can buy with a billion dollars is an nfl team like, that's it exactly that, 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 that's like that's the one thing that i was yeah. thinking of. like that's what is like a singular like, asset yeah. that is
0: like worth that much that's
1: like the you one can buy countries thing. with that money yeah that's the one <laughs> thing i could buy but but why would i need to buy a fucking team i have enough money to go to a fucking suite of any team of any game at any given point in time for the remainder of my life for literally what is like a nickel to me so like why should I care about owning a fucking team? It's just like another fucking headache.
0: <laughs> I don't know, dude. Too much money. Too much money for us to consider. Uh, anyway, but but man, uh, what a what a week of sports. Um, we got through it all. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? No, nah, I think that's pretty much it, man. All right. Uh, well. You you heard it here, to hear, folks. What an eventful week! Uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Um,
2: as always, keep it one hundred and eleven. We'll see you next week. See ya.